Hi, everyone out there. Welcome to our first episode of our brand new podcast. It's called The Sun, the Moon, and the Truth. My name is Natalie Backman, and this is Karina Guthrie. And we're going to be introducing ourselves, giving you a little bit of a taste of what you can expect from this particular podcast, uh, and hopefully get you excited about wanting to join us on our sort of messy journey through uh, yoga and life and um, the world as we know it in 2020. So with that, I want to turn it over to Karina and um, she's going to tell you a little bit about how we met and uh, how this whole thing started. So um, I should say, because, you know, we uh, have these conversations on the regular um, and have been for the vast majority of this year. And last week in one of these conversations, we were like, okay, next week we're going to record this podcast and it'll be the first episode. And we got on the call today for that purpose. And we've currently been speaking without recording for the last 75 minutes. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> which I had a little giggle about. Um, so we met a few years ago, right, at a, a training in Bali, and we were actually, I remember, sitting next to each other in a room full of about 100 people, right in the middle towards the back, and we spent really the, the whole week sitting next to each other there. And it was interesting because you really intrigued me, but I feel like we didn't speak all of that much at that time. But then as a result of that, some of your friendships ended up being some of my friendships with people in Bali. And so when you came back the next year, we hung out a little bit more. And I remember um, you messaging to say uh, that there was a ceremony happening in Ubud. And I went along to that and it was beautiful. Um, and then I guess we didn't speak again until earlier this year and you kind of randomly reached out to me and was like let's hop on a, a a conversation and just see what flows and whether we might sort of collaborate in the future and and uh what we might have in common because I think both of us have uh teaching trajectories that are similar and an ethos when it comes to teaching and practicing and living that is very similar and for me personally these conversations have been such a godsend in such a crazy year because I really feel like on a personal level I have been craving uh, essentially a safe space to have conversations about what it means to practice and put those practices into practice in the world and that's really I think what this podcast has been born of I certainly don't I know that you don't um have that desire to like present as an expert on anything but really to honor like that process of studentship and to sort of like bring people along in that journey of studentship um where like good questions are more important than the answers Absolutely. Yeah. And exploring the questions from as many different angles as possible and letting your mind be kind of blown open by a perspective that you just hadn't considered. Absolutely. Yeah. So 
my take on how we met is really similar. And it's just funny how like in a room full of a hundred people that are all there basically for the same purpose of studying and studying this particular lineage of yoga that a certain individual will like stand out. And, and you were kind of like off to the side of me a little bit. And it's not that you like asked a lot of questions where like you drew my attention in that way. It was just this sort of quiet confidence that you had that just really, I was like, that's someone that I will eventually need to talk to. <laughs> and, and it did take about a year. And then like, when I came back to Bali the next time, I just remember like, that was on my list of things that needed to happen. And just, you know, I, I even remember bumping into you at a coffee shop prior to one of the days of the training. And I was like, um, I see you. I'm not ignoring you. Like, it's really important that we connect at some point in time. We're going to talk to one another. And, and it, it was like, both of us just immediately were like, yeah, this is going to happen. Um, so I was so happy when you accepted the invitation to come out for the fire ceremony. And then it just felt like, uh, yeah, this is, this is the beginning of something really cool. Um, and yeah, for, my, for me, my personality, I really love to get into the weeds <laughs> um, and talk about stuff that is difficult to talk about. Um, kind of flexing my muscles a little bit around like processing some of these more challenging situations, having somebody that I really trust and really respect to bounce ideas off of. Uh, and, and someone that can kind of be like, eh, I'm not sure that <laughs> you're on the right track. <laughs> Maybe let's think about it from this perspective or whatever that happens to be. And for us to be able to come into this space of conversing in this way at this time um, has also been a huge blessing for me to be able to make sense of it, um, to be able to try to look through the surface level of what's going on in the world and try to find deeper meaning um, and to be, to be challenged to rise to, um, to rise to this particular occasion, I guess, of like trying to get down to what's really going on and trying to become the best version of myself through the process and be whoever, you know, the world, at least my little corner of the world needs me to be in this. Um, and being able to support one another, I think, through that process has just been really cool. So with all that being said, um, eventually we thought that there were at least a couple people out there that might also enjoy going along on this ride with us and having some of these conversations. So that's why we're recording this. Um, and hopefully somebody out there finds it beneficial uh, and hopefully we're able to contribute something that is not just more noise and more people wanting to hear the sound of their own voices but um, something that you know can can maybe open up a, a new perspective um, clear the lens a little bit and and help us all see uh, what's going on around us with a little more clarity and what's going on inside of us <laughs> even more so with that clarity so uh, we wanted to introduce ourselves to you with more than just sort of the 
like yoga teaching resume. Um, so we came up with this idea of sharing three sort of pivotal moments in our lives, uh, not just in our yoga practices, that have brought us to this place here and now, conversing with each other and then sharing with you. So I'm going to put Karina on the spot and have her share hers first, <laughs> if she wants to. I'm not sure. We might be frozen. We were frozen for a second, but we're back. Okay, excellent. Good. We are, uh, I'm in Los Angeles for those people that might not know that and Karina's in Bali. And so all of this is happening in different time zones on different parts of the world. So every once in a while technology is going to remind us of who's in charge here. <laughs> so Karina, if you want to share three pivotal moments that have brought you here and now to this conversation. I think um, probably the first one, and it's not really a moment, it was sort of a long period of time, but, you know, I think back to when I was little and my very first love was dancing and I did classical ballet and I did that for a long time. And um, what I really loved about that sort of on reflection is that it provided a way of exploring what was happening inside of me through conscious movement, or I could pour and process, pour myself into a physical practice in a way that allowed me to feel and process and question and that kind of thing. So pop that to the side. Something that was also a feature of uh, my upbringing was that mom was really great she always used to give me books we didn't have a tv growing up um, by choice and she would give me books about different things um, and sometimes they would be sort of fiction and sometimes they would be philosophy and uh, so I was always sort of you know like reading and questioning and it was something that I really loved and what I reflected on much later down the track when I started teaching yoga was that it really brought together those two quite pivotal experiences for me growing up. One, which was having a, a means for moving consciously and sort of processing and untangling and unwinding. And the other was a means to sort of, you know, ask big questions about life and my place in the world. And, and, I, and I feel like those two things that I didn't realize were related ended up being kind of the genesis of this experience for me. Um, I think another uh, pivotal, um, again, not a moment, but kind of a, a journey was uh, my first kind of proper job was uh, working as a, a lecturer at a university. And I really liked the, I don't know, just like the, the chasing ideas and uh, researching deeply into things. But I always had, um, kind of major imposter syndrome in that environment because I felt like intellectually I would get something, but I never really felt it. I never really felt like I was an environment that I could inhabit in a fully embodied way. And it was a, a time that uh, really exercised this, but very much at the expense of this. And I realized later on that this was something that I was really craving to have access to and I just didn't know how to do it. And 
when I was working at the university, I remember thinking a lot. I was on a lot of train trips, uh, commuting, and I was like, this isn't my thing. Like, what's my thing? And I was constantly like, this isn't it. I, I feel like I should be more grateful for this opportunity than I am, but it's not my thing. And um, I was doing yoga at the time, but I wasn't teaching and I didn't think that yoga was my thing. Um, but I really feel like the discomfort of being in that environment, um, trying to access this and not knowing how gave me the impetus to sort of move into those messy spaces of yoga um, and gave me the hunger to explore in that way. So I think they would be not three distinct moments, uh, but a couple of really big um, sort of pivotal experiences that kind of landed me here and have really provided the impetus for my journey in some very obvious ways and some quite subtle ways that continue to play out. What about you? I'd have to say that mine is similar. It's not like a clear moment as much as a transition. And whether that was something that could happen in a day, a week, or a couple of years. So the, the first one for me um, happened shortly after 9-11. And mm -hmm. I, I was born and raised Christian and was going to a Christian church. And that particular church um, didn't respond in a way to 9-11 that felt right to me. It felt a little bit too blamey um, and accusatory. And uh, for whatever reason, in that moment, it just brought up all of the sort of exclusive mentalities um, in the church that I had always sort of rebelled against. And it was just sort of the straw that broke the camel's back. And so I literally like got up out of my seat during the service and walked out the door and never went back and I had to kind of shut the door on organized religion I didn't have to I chose to uh, at that point in time but I still was craving some expression of my spirituality and so I went on questing basically and um, my mom had a copy of a book called Sacred Pleasure by uh, Ryan Eisler and a Rianne Eisler. I should probably have looked up the pro proper pronunciation of her name. Anyway, you look her up. She's awesome. <laughs> and um, the book was an exploration of goddess worshiping cultures and um, society prior to the patriarchy. And it completely shifted my paradigm. I had no idea that such a thing existed. <laughs> I, you know, I grew up in the Judeo-Christian culture and I thought like, you know, God was in charge and under God was men. And I felt so fortunate at that point in time to have been born a woman when women were finally like evolving to become equal to men. Um, so that book sparked a lot of like transformative rage in me <laughs> at uh, at the the lies that I had been fed up to that point about my basic worth as a woman and as a human being and um 
And so I, I, uh, I got really, really, really fascinated about goddesses. Um, and it took me quite a while to continue to develop, you know, what that might turn into. Uh, but that played a really huge role in making me feel so at home in a tantric approach to yoga. So that was a big one. Um, the next one was for me personally, like hitting rock bottom when I was living in New York City. Uh, I moved to New York when I was still a musical theater performer. So I was also a dancer and um, definitely loved being able to express something in me that I don't know how to articulate in words through movement. Like that's a huge part of my love of asana. Um, I, yeah, I just, no matter how much I fall in love with meditation, I will always also be in love with asana uh, because of that, that way of expressing. Um, but I walked away from musical theater when I was in New York because I, I knew on some level that it wasn't my path and it was making me a crazy person. I was uh, really neurotic and self-centered and all of the things that a lot of performers end up being um, almost out of sheer necessity. Uh, and I became completely disoriented because I no longer knew who I was and I no longer had any sense of worth or value outside of how I identified as a talented person um, or a successful person in that particular world. And so I had my first experience basically with surrender because I'd always been a fighter. I'd always fought for everything that I'd gotten in life. And this was a moment where I just couldn't fight anymore. And I kind of gave up the frantic doggy paddle to keep my head above water and let myself just sort of sink and in that process of sinking and then spending about six months like at the bottom of, I don't know, some, can't remember the abyss, that's the word, some abyss at the bottom of the ocean. Um, I, I had an opportunity to get to know myself and to get to know the part of myself that I would later refer to maybe as like the shadow side or whatever terminology. For me, it was just, the parts of myself that I had long been denying because I was afraid of them and I was ashamed um, based on external sources telling me what was right and what was wrong, what was good and what was bad. And spending time with myself in that way, I actually developed quite a strong fondness for those aspects of myself that prior to that point I had shoved into the dark corners and denied even existed. So that that's another kind of pivotal moment for me of that, that level of self-awareness and self-acceptance. I hadn't yet gotten to self-love, but there was at least this surrendering into the void, which has become a really important part of my practice now, um, and, and acknowledging that I wasn't to be feared, that I was actually pretty rad in, in my fullness. So then the third part of that, um, I still hadn't quite dealt with like my, my crazy fully. I mean, I still haven't because I'm human and I'm, you know, you can ask my husband all about it. Um, but I, 
I had some like self-harm tendencies um, that I adopted when I was a teenager and then carried with me through my 20s. And uh, I had a, an incident um, where I, I, you know, got to the point where I was, I, you know, at my wits end, didn't know, you know, how to navigate a very challenging, emotionally challenging situation. And I hit myself in the head with something hard enough that I knocked myself out. And that was a moment of, of like a genuine wake up call of this isn't right. (laughs) It's not acceptable. And it's not something that deserves to have a place in my life anymore. And fortunately, someone was there who had the wherewithal to like, call everybody in my family and make me move my butt from New York to Los Angeles, where I could be with a supportive network of people, get into therapy, and start a yoga teacher training. So (laughs) uh, I'd been practicing yoga up to that point, and it was it was already doing a lot of that healing work that I knew I needed, um, but clearly more work was necessary. So I started this teacher training and maybe the second week of the training in walks this beautiful goddess of a woman who just radiates acceptance and compassion and devotion and like clarity and that woman uh wound up becoming my teacher and she over the course of the training um introduced me really to meditation because meditation had not been a part of my yoga experience up to that point at all and um it was in one of the guided meditations that i actually did have my first really profound experience of self and a self that i love Um, and not love like I'm fond of, but love like mama bear love, like no one will ever harm you ever again, including, including me. Um, and so that, that was really like the, the thing that, that helped me know just how powerful these practices are, um, and the potency of a genuine teacher who's able to be a conduit for the practices and the teachings. Uh, and I knew, I knew prior to that, that my calling was to create opportunities for healing and, and empowerment for other people. And um, having been on the receiving end of it in that way, just like really affirmed it for me. And that was seven years ago this month. So yeah, that I started my training. So uh, yeah. Here we are. Those are my, those are my moments. <laughs> They're amazing moments. I love them. Thank you. Me too. I like my story. <laughs> I do. Yeah. It's nice when you can finally get to a point where you feel like the hero of your story rather than the victim. Yeah. Yeah. And all of those moments that you've had that you don't realize you're going to look back on in hindsight and have them be really important, pivotal sorts of, of things. And you look back with you know, that different perspective and have that gratitude for them. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And so much compassion for who I was in those moments (laughs) and pride. Like when I got up and stood up in the church and like gave the pastor the evil eye and then walked my butt out, I was like, yes. (laughs) I 
was like, wow, that's really badass. I, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I think now is a good time for us to talk about the name of our podcast, because it's, um, if you don't understand where it comes from, it's a little like intriguing, I I like to think, but maybe a little bit convoluted. So I I want um, Karina to explain where it came from, because she's the one that that suggested it and then I you know one of those mind-blowing moments um so Karina tell us about the name of the podcast um I mean you and I have been talking about what we might call it and the thing that's kind of been the overarching theme of all of our conversations this year is sort of you know what's the litmus test for the truth in a situation and how can you find a way to be more truthful in your own life and respect other people's truths and um you know be be open to challenging the status quo and that kind of thing and so you and I went away and were thinking about it and sort of in that process of exploring for me I came across this quote which is three things shall not remain long hidden the sun the moon and the truth and it's attributed to border and you know who knows if that was really him but um I just thought, gosh, that encapsulates what we're, we've been talking about in so many different ways, um, but particularly because the sort of the imagery or the iconography of the sun and the moon in, um, you know, traditional yoga practices is so prominent and has so many different layers of meaning, you know, the sun as this sort of solar uh, externally oriented force and the moon as this lunar internally oriented more introspective um, force and you know the link that that has to aspects of the divine masculine and feminine and the you know obviously the linking of all of these things to um, Ida and Pingala Nadis these two energy channels that um, rise up the spine with Shushumna and uh, when you and I were talking about it it just seemed like, A, I feel like just that 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 quote is a really beautiful poetic one that gave me the feels. Um, and B, also, I just thought that there was so much to unpack there in terms of the layers of meaning that it has for us as yogis on a particular sort of a, a journey. Yeah, totally. And then also, I feel like 2020 is yeah. a year of healing back a lot of illusion and um and people having to really confront the illusions that they're holding on to and um and the the veil like to quote my teacher the veil is being ripped back it's not being like delicately drawn back it's being like ripped open and what's lying beneath the surface is being very much revealed um, on in so many ways right now. Um, and we're not nearly finished with that process. So like, don't take your seatbelt off because <laughs> there's more to come folks. Um, but I feel like that's such a key part of how we're experiencing this year and trying to trying to look for the, the truth. And we're also in a world right now where we're getting all kinds of fake news and so many like blatant lies being told um, and and people really believing things that are on polar opposites of the spectrum in terms of reality. And I'm not saying one's right and one's wrong, although I have my opinions, Um, but 
where in all of that, where in that spectrum do we find truth and how do we find it? Um, and so we just, both of us felt like this was such a potent idea that the truth is there and it won't remain hidden for long. And so it's just a matter of like questing after it. Um, and it's, it's not something that either of us, you know, claim to possess or like <laughs> have a corner on the market of truth. That's my dog, by the way, he's got an ear thing. So <laughs> you might hear a lot of flapping going on. Um, so it's not so much like us professing to know truth, but us seeking it out um, and having to confront some of our own limited perspectives or beliefs or perceptions along the way. Like talking with each other and talking with other people as guests on the podcast that are going to challenge the way that we view the world and welcoming that challenge so that ideally as we're playing with potentially opposing perspectives, somewhere in the middle there, the truth will reveal itself. And um, that sounds like a, a, a noble task to pursue. I feel like that's so important, especially this year. I mean, all the time, but this year in particular, I feel like it's highlighted because there are so many competing perspectives. And because we're all under an unusual amount of stress, I feel like this year, more than in other years, the tendency is for our opinions to become polarized. And I feel like the risk is that the more our opinions become polarized, the less we can hear other perspectives and the less open we are to questioning our own. And I know I crave and I know you crave that uh, space where you can have conversations that are messy and you can have conversations that are vulnerable and you have the, the space to mess up and dust yourself off. Um, because I feel like that seems to be happening less and less at the moment. And I feel like, especially at this time, it's actually something that should be happening more and more. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, we're on, we're on a bit of a crash course, I think, at the moment as a, as a species. And a bit, yeah, yeah <laughs> that's at least what it feels like. <laughs> and the more that we just dig in to our existing belief systems and our existing uh, views on life without a willingness to open up and to see the world from another perspective and to admit the places where we're either wrong or limited or misguided, if we're not willing to do that, I don't know, you know, we can't stay on, we can't stay on our current trajectory. We have to, we have to be willing to make some changes and that's going to require a certain amount of humility and a certain amount of like willingness to acknowledge our opportunities for growth and then step into them yeah yeah um, I also think something that we've spoken about a lot is um you know so often when you're having conversations with people who have different viewpoints uh we can drop into the the idea that for that conversation to be successful, what we have to reach is consensus. That somehow we either have to convince them that we're more right 
or they have to convince us that they're more right. And I think sometimes actually rather than consensus, or I think most of the time actually rather than consensus, what we should be working towards is shared understanding. I can still have my point of view, but I can also see the value in yours and vice versa. And, and, and that's what kind of expands um, our perspectives. And that's what I really hope that we can kind of achieve in this setting. Yeah, absolutely. It strikes me as like really remarkable how much individual security is required in order to make yourself vulnerable to genuinely understanding someone else's perspective. Because if you're not secure in your own beliefs, then everything else is a threat. But if your beliefs are as you know potent and profound as you profess that they are, then you should be able to you know, be in them very comfortably and confidently and still hold space for other people to see the world differently. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Interesting. Um, so another kind of goal that we have with this podcast is to explore, and we kind of touched on it, but to explore the relationship of yoga with our actual day-to-day -day lives because we are both yogis, we are both yoga teachers, and we're also women living in the world, attempting to navigate you know, the nuances of the crazy out there. Um, ideally informed by our practices and supported by our practices. And um, somebody at some point, I'm not sure if it was, Rod Stryker, or if it was Pandati that originally said this, but I, I know that I heard it through Tracy that like when having a check-in with a teacher that the question, the initial question was not, tell me about your practice. The question initially was, tell me about your life. Are you okay? <laughs> Are you okay? You need to go out. Let me give it another moment. <laughs> Anyone who follows this podcast will eventually get to know my dog quite well. Um, I feel like they'll know both about pets. Yes, exactly. We've got cats and dogs, <laughs> and we're both wildly obsessed with our animals. So <laughs> they will make frequent appearances. Um, so, yeah, so the question is not so much tell me about your practice, but tell me about your life. And based on how your life is going, I'll be able to tell you the efficacy of your practice. Um, and I, especially in the world that we're living in right now and the way that people are showing up, we can tell a lot about the efficacy and the, the productivity uh, of a person's practice based on how they're handling the um, really specific challenges of COVID-19 and civil unrest and forest fires and all of the, just everything, everything that's being um, kind of poured down our throats at the moment. It's, it's a really good opportunity to reflect back on what are these things that I'm doing in my yoga practice and are they supporting me living a, a peaceful, um, purposeful life or not? 
And how do we get into conversation about that? What kind of questions do we need to ask? What kind of self-inquiry is required? Um, and then how can we adjust on the fly? Like how can we course correct if you know, we're doing all these practices and still feeling like a maniac most of the time? What, you know, what can we explore to remedy that situation? And I think that's, that's a really interesting um, line of, of conversation that we'll be exploring through this as well. Yeah, I remember uh, on a, a training blog, Stryker talking about the that idea that, you know, all of these practices that we're doing, you know, what's the point if they don't translate into, you know, greater sense of stability, a greater capacity for compassion, more bravery, and all of that kind of thing. And I feel like there's so often a disconnect between what happens in class and what happens in life when we think of yoga as something that we go do for, you know, an hour or 90 minutes a day, and, and then life is there. And we kind of see that just uh, not by accident, but naturally those mat practice have a trickle on effect. But I feel like that trickle on effect to really not just be a, a trickle, but like a river, maybe the, the thing that needs to um, happen that isn't happening at the moment is a more conscious conversation about the relationship between the two. I think we just hope that this will translate into this. But I think like anything, this only translates meaningfully into this when we make that journey conscious. Absolutely. And we can see a lot of like big examples of when that's not happening, like the the result. And I'll just choose, you know, one example because I think everybody can agree at this point that this person went off the deep end um, and that would be Bikram. <laughs> you, you see how the way that he was practicing without the contemplative aspect of how his practice was impacting his life led to a very specific outcome and that can be a lesson for us on like what to avoid um, and, and it happens with all of us to a lesser extent, hopefully a lesser extent. Um, if we're not careful, you know, the practices that we do, especially when we're doing like tantric practices, where we are specifically working with our energy and amplifying certain energies, if we're not careful, we will amplify and empower our neuroses along with the stuff that we, you know, that we want to amplify in order to be able to fulfill our purpose in life. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's going to be a that's going to be an interesting series of conversations to get into, and I'm looking forward. For sure. to it. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, with yeah, with a good dose of humility because I, I know you know I know when I have ridden too high and needed to be compassionately pulled back down to earth. Um, and fortunately, I've had a teacher who has been willing to do that for me um, with as much love and kindness as I think any human being could possibly deal with. So um, so we'll talk about the role of the teacher as well <laughs> in this whole process. Um, and then uh, one other topic that both Karina and I love to like get into is the role of tradition um, and the role of tradition, the importance of tradition, um, 
honoring tradition versus like having a blind faith in tradition, um, the differences between the traditional teachings, like the actual core of the tradition versus sort of the cultural trappings that surround a tradition. Um, and then also like what happens in our practice when we're not connected to any tradition at all. And what is the difference between like being deeply rooted in a tradition and then innovating versus not having an, any roots anywhere and basically just making shit up. So there's this whole like spectrum of conversation to be had around tradition. Um, do you want to dive into that more, Karina? I mean, one of the things that just sort of came up for me when you were speaking is, um, you know, I, I kind of feel like one of the things about yoga at its best is that it's liberating and it liberates us uh, just on the human level, obviously, in terms of helping us work through our conditioning. Um, and then there's also that pursuit of kind of ultimate spiritual liberation. And I think that a lot of what we end up searching for when we come to yoga is a way to break free of the boxes uh, of society that we fit in. Um, what I think the sometimes happens, though, is that if we are too like, dogmatic in the way that we then enter into a yoga practice, then we just substitute one set of restrictions with another. And we're trying to, again, just uh, stuff ourselves into a box. And I feel like there's a real importance um, for me anyway to sort of practice within a lineage because that's what allows you to dig one hole very deep rather than lots of superficial sort of potholes that never lead you to water. Um, but I also think that the structure that tradition provides you should be one that allows you to, that you can kind of expand into, not become smaller because of. And so I think, you know, all of these teachings should be uh, something feel like a remembrance rather than um, a restriction. Um, and I think that sort of journey is something that I think of when I think of this spectrum of sort of dogma, tradition, uh, and no connection to lineage at all. Yeah, totally. And when, when you were talking, one of the things that came to mind is that like, if the ultimate goal is moksha, liberation, and reunion with the divine, then the tradition serves its purpose as sort of a framework, a framework, a home base, um, so that we can follow for a while in the footsteps of people that have gone before us on the path in a successful way. But anything that creates more and more confinement or more and more constriction in our lives ultimately is going to need to be discarded and transcended as we go for that you know, final leap toward liberation. So yeah, just sort of exploring like how, 
how can the tradition support you in your in your path or on your path without putting shackles around you and also without creating yet another us versus them like yes. my tradition's better than your tradition because do we really need yeah. more of that in our world i don't think so <laughs> um and uh yeah yeah that's another one that i'm really excited to explore um and also within that conversation like the role of women in the yoga tradition um that's you know that the the way that patriarchy shows up in yoga tradition um and is that really in support of the teachings or is that like a cultural trapping that is associated with yoga just because of the culture in which yoga you know was was brought forth um so a lot of a lot of stuff that i i don't claim to know answers <laughs> to um but i'm really excited to like get in there and and get my hands dirty trying to pull out little nuggets of truth i feel like that kind of brings us then to uh just kind of an acknowledgement about some of the things specifically that we want to talk about on um, future episodes. Um, you know, one of them, you know, is, you know, the, the, the role of tradition and, and practice, as you've said, you know, one of them is, you know, an exploration of the experience of being a, a, a woman in, you know, a tradition that typically was more sort of male-centered. Um, one of the, the topics that you and I talked about that will be a, a feature in the upcoming episode is um, really just, you know, this issue of decolonizing yoga, you know, looking at the ways that yoga has become increasingly more, more westernized and, and what that has done uh, for the, I don't know, the watering down or maybe the misinterpretation uh, of, of some of its uh, teachings. Mm -hmm. um, also questions like, you know, are yoga and activism compatible? You know, a necessary, uh, not a necessary, but, you know, something that's a very common outcome of practice over time is a greater sense of social justice. And does that social justice within the context of a yoga practice lend itself to, to activism within the, the structures of, of tradition? Um, what else? Have I left anything out? I don't think so. Um, although we did want to uh, just sort of put it out there that our first like coming out into the world as a podcast, aside from this introduction, is a panel that we're putting together that we're really excited about. Um, it is called Chaos and Compassion. The Goddess in the Journey from Breakdown to Breakthrough. And so it will be a conversation around Divine Mother, Divine Feminine, uh, and how she is showing up in our world today. Um, we're both really inspired by the Devi Mahatmyam and the story specifically of Durga and how Durga manifests essentially to like set the world right. Uh, and it's it's just really, really fascinating to kind of look at what's going on in the world through that particular lens and to explore the multiple facets of 
goddess personality and energy and sort of archetypal roles of the goddess in the world. Um, and just looking at which energies are particularly present in what ways and the light energy of a goddess versus the shadow energy of the goddess. And um, yeah, so this for me, I could go on and on for the next three hours just talking about that, but we're going to save it for the panel. We have some really phenomenal um, guests that will be joining us and we will make an announcement of who that's going to be um, at a later date. So we're going to keep you on the hook a little bit about that. Um, but just want to put that out there into your consciousness as something to look for. Um, I think it's I think it's going to be pretty special. I'm excited about that. Me too. Um, Aside from that, I think that's sort of us in a in a nutshell. Um, we had toyed with the idea of doing like a lightning round of questions. Uh, do you want to do that here? Do you want to save it for next time? Let's save it for next time. Okay, excellent. So we'll give you something else to look forward to. <laughs> Um, with that, thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be an exciting journey, I think, and um, we look forward to being in communication with all of you as we go, um, so that this isn't just you know the two of us talking to one another. In some way, we will figure out how to incorporate your questions and your feedback and your thoughts and ideas as well. Well, with that, thank you. <laughs> Have a beautiful morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are in the world. And we'll look forward to connecting with you again soon. Hi there, me again. I'm recording this a few weeks after the podcast episode you just watched. And the reason that I'm recording this is to formally invite you to the panel discussion we were just talking about at the end of the episode. Chaos and Compassion, the Goddess in the Journey from Breakdown to Breakthrough. That discussion is taking place at the end of this week, either the 5th or the 6th of November, depending on the time zone you're in. So if you're in the US, this podcast will be on the 5th of November, Pacific time, beginning at 4.30pm for music and 5pm for the panel itself. If you're in Bali, Australia, or New Zealand, the panel will be on the 6th of November. So in Bali, music will begin at 8.30 a.m. and the panel itself will be at 9. If you're in Australian Daylight Savings Time, music will begin from 11.30 a.m. and the panel will begin at 12. If you're in New Zealand, music will begin at 1.30 p.m. and the panel will begin at 2. I've included the links for more information about each of our panelists below. They're a really powerful, very inspiring group of women who Nat and I are very excited to talk with. You can access tickets at a link that I've placed below also. If you're interested in attending but you can't be there live on Zoom, that's okay. Your ticket will give you access to the event recording and we'll send that recording out to everybody who purchases after the event. If you have any questions, please reach out. I've included the details for Nat and myself below as well. Otherwise, we are looking forward to seeing you there.